0: Hey, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode five. Today, we'll be reviewing season two, episodes three and four of The Walking Dead with the lens of power.
1: Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany?
0: I'm doing well. I went on a rampage and watched a lot of Oscar nominated movies. Awesome. <laughs> so we have lots to talk about. <laughs> That's great. Okay, let's do a recap. Okay. So season two, episode three, save the last one. So Lori and Rick debate over whether or not to go through with the surgery since Shane and Otis haven't come back yet. Carl wakes up shortly to talk about the deer and this convinces Lori to go through with the surgery, even though it's pretty risky without the respirator. Dale says, sorry to Andrea. Shane sacrifices Otis in order to get the respirator to Carl.
1: Season 2, Episode 4, Cherokee Rose. So the group arrives at the farm and sets up camp. Carl is recovering from his surgery. They bury Otis and ask Shane to share some of his last moments. Shane tells them that he died saving Carl and Shane. But as Brittany said, Shane sacrificed Otis to get out of there alive. The group organize a search to find Sophia. Carol heads out on his own and finds an empty building and a Cherokee rose that he brings back to Carol. The group try to get a bloated walker out of the well before it contaminates the water, but fail. Maggie and Glenn go on a supply run. Lori asks Glenn to get a pregnancy test. While on the run, Maggie and Glenn's relationship takes a big step. Herschel tells Rick his group must leave when Carl is healed, but Rick pleads with him to reconsider, which he does. Lori takes the pregnancy test that Glenn retrieved from the pharmacy, and it reveals that she is pregnant. Okay,
0: Brittany, where did you see the theme of power? I saw it a lot with Lori, actually. She has a lot of power over both Shane and Rick. With Shane, he's desperate for her validation. He wants her attention and forgiveness. And at first, I really struggled watching that scene with him leaving Otis behind. However, After finishing the two episodes, I'm a bit more clear with why he did it. It's an uncomfortable decision to sit with, and this really breaks him down mentally. He has that conversation with Andrea about how you have people counting on you, and that's powerful in itself. It's Shane's biggest motivator, I think, that Rick, Lori, and Carl were all counting on him to get this done, to save Carl's life. Back to my thoughts about what motivates him. I do believe he cares about Carl, but... I also believe he knew that he needed to either impress or make things right with Lori. He is distraught over losing her. I have sympathy for him because of that. He's doing anything he can to 1. save Carl, 2. do something good for Lori, and 3. help his partner and best friend, Rick. These are probably the three people he cares most about in this world. And it only reaffirms my belief that your relationships, the people who are counting on you and need you, are the most powerful factors when it comes to big decision making. People say it all the time. Like, I work hard for my family. I do this so my kids can have a better life. Well, the Grimes really are, like, Shane's only family. We don't know what his own parents or siblings, like, if he had any, what they were like and how he lost them. I know what he did was... Despicable, But I understand why he guards the grime so intently, though I do think the majority of it is now for Lori. He needs to know if she meant it when she said stay at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And though I wish she would have clarified, we need you as a friend, <laughs> because I think he got <laughs> yeah. the wrong idea. <laughs> um, just so that he would have been clear, because I think he interpreted that wrong. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So, Brittany, I agree with you. I hadn't really thought about it through that standpoint of what is motivating Shane's. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) So I see Shane exercise the ultimate power over Otis in the episode Save the Last One. We see flashbacks of Shane's thoughts. And throughout this flashback, we see Otis and him trying to escape the walkers at every turn. And Shane and Otis are stuck on the bleachers, and Shane suggests they jump out this window, but Otis says he won't fit. So he says, I'll lead the walkers away, and you hop out that window, and I'll hop out the other which was actually very brave of Otis. So as they execute the plan, Otis is grabbed by a walker, but Shane shoots it. And I think, okay, Shane isn't too bad. He's helping Otis. Um, They make it out, but Shane injures his ankle and is hobbling along. Um, So in current time, we see Shane arrive at the farm uh, with the supplies, and he tells the others that Otis gave his life for Shane to make it out. So Shane goes up to take a shower. We notice a patch of his hair from his skull is missing and he shaves his head. Back to the flashback, we see Otis and Shane are running from the walkers and both say they have one bullet left. Shane turns to Otis and says, I'm sorry. And Otis looks confused at him. And then all of a sudden Shane shoots Otis in the leg. He tears the supplies off his back. They start fighting and Otis grabs Shane's hair. Shane overpowers Otis and takes the supplies and hobbles off as the walkers consume Otis and you hear him screaming in agony. Shane, in current time, shaves his head and looks at himself in the mirror with a very disturbed look. I am disgusted but also intrigued because Shane has crossed a line he can't uncross.
0: You're right, Diana. He does cross a line he can't come back from, and it's very crazy to see this all unravel because we do know how this ends for yeah. him, but it's crazy to see the beginning yeah. of him mm-hmm. just unraveling. <laughs> and I want to circle back to Lori having power over Rick because I noticed that he does debate with her over certain decisions, but he ultimately leaves the decision up to her when Herschel asks them if he can operate on Carl and basically give him another chance in the world, just like how she asked Jenner to give them another chance at the CDC. I do acknowledge that she struggles with feeling powerless over Carl's situation, though. I don't think her points were completely baseless and awful, and I think that she's just a mother who sees her child suffering, and it hurts so much when you're powerless over that pain. And she yells at Herschel when Carl is having that seizure, and she says, you can't stop it! And Herschel says he just has to go through it, and I think that's so powerful. That's so true. And that's hard for parents. I'm not a parent, but I totally sympathize Mm -hmm. with that. I also saw the power of words and what we say. I know that words can only go so far in some instances, but words are pretty powerful. There's a reason that humans are the (laughs) humans are the main beings that run this planet, right? We communicate. We have multiple languages across the world. We created the society and all the parts of it using words, using communication. So I know that Carol tells Andrea, save the thoughts and prayers. However, sometimes people really need to hear specific words and phrases to feel okay, or to work through a situation. At Otis's funeral, Patricia asks Shane to speak. And though half of what he says is a lie, it helps Patricia to give Otis's death a powerful meaning helps her feel better. So we assign meaning to almost everything in life. Like if someone drives a really beat up car, you might assume they're financially struggling. If someone's crying, that means something. It's very insightful to just look around and see the meaning that we assign to everything. But what's even more beautiful is that we have the ability to speak on it and to lend our voices and thoughts to others. And I love that. I also
1: saw the power of words and symbols. Um, Rick asks Herschel to reconsider letting them stay, because he feels like he is failing Carl every day. Herschel tells Rick that he had a drunk, abusive, terrible father that drove him out when he was 15, and that he didn't visit him on his deathbed and doesn't regret it, and that some fathers don't earn the love of their fathers. But for Rick, he doesn't see that problem. And that part really got me teary-eyed. It just really kind of touched my heart when he said that. So Herschel says he will reconsider if the group follows his rules. And Rick gives him his word. Even in this world, their word contains power. Another instance was when Rick tells Lori about the deer. Says that the deer and Carl looked at each other when Carl wakes from his wounds. He talks excitedly about the deer. And then later on, Rick reminds Lori that Carl talked about a beautiful thing, not the bad stuff. Rick says the reason for living is because Carl talked about the deer. And so in this instance, deer is the power of hope. Rick also goes into Carl and uh, confesses and apologizes about lying about Sophia. But Carl says he already knows. Carl talks about them both being shot. And Rick tells Carl he is now in the club and that he gets to wear his hat. This hat symbolizes so much power. Even more so after this episode, it plays an important role in season eight, episode nine, Honor. We all give power to things that really matter to us. It's the thought, the memory, the person that it signifies. Sometimes we keep things that wouldn't matter to anybody else but it means the world to us. Okay, so Brittany, what other things did you notice in this episode?
0: I noticed a moment with Daryl. So he says, what the hell's wrong with you people? We just started looking. This isn't the Tibetan mountains or something, or something like that. I don't know if that's exactly what he says. And he says, it's Georgia. She could be holed up in a farmhouse somewhere. And ironic because she <laughs> is. Yeah. I thought the same thing. So he kind of did a foreshadowing there, which was cool. Yeah. But also, side note, in most child abduction or missing persons cases, the first 24 hours hold the most hope for finding them. Mm -hmm. And after that, the percentage of you finding them goes down dramatically with each minute, hour, and day. So I know Daryl thinks that everyone has lost hope too soon. And he thinks they're giving up too quickly. But the actual data behind this shows that they probably won't find Sophia alive. Everyone, especially Carol, has a right to be as worried and as wrecked as she is. So I know he's trying to keep hope alive. But in real world data, it's not not looking good for Sophia. I also noticed that, you know, just another thing I love about Dale. I appreciate that Dale asks follow-up questions and wants to be clear in that moment. After he apologizes to Andrea, she just lousily says, I'll take watch. Rude! Okay. (laughs) He then (laughs) proceeds to ask, So do you forgive me? And a lot of the time while watching this show, I'm so annoyed. And I'm left feeling unfulfilled, especially in recent seasons, because the characters talk so much less and they just stare at each other. Like, I'm just thinking... Who looks at someone for 30 seconds without speaking? That's not real life. So I'm just, I'm always screaming, ask him what that means. Wait, what what are they talking about? I do appreciate that Dale demands an answer right away, rather than having to wonder and dissect Andrea's effortless, lazy response. So go Dale once again. Also, I would just like to say that Andrea, for lack of better words, I, you know, I went to college, but she really sucks <laughs> in these two episodes. I just, I did not like her. Yeah, I agree. I was irritated
1: with her when she was mad about not having the guns. And she went to Shane and was mad that Rick made that agreement with Herschel. It's like, ah, oh, I just want my gun. I just want my gun. It's like, oh, my God, I want to slap you. Yes. I did. I don't know. She was annoying to me, too. I just
0: don't like how she just... It feels so entitled, and she's always so mean to everyone. She's always like frustrated or irritated, and she just comes off that way. I don't, I don't know.
1: She's never happy, or I mean, not. I mean, I know her sister just died, but I guess her sister just died. We
0: I know, but some everyone, I don't know. Ugh, no, screw you, Andrea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. On a lighter note, uh, Maggie and Glenn's relationship begins. Uh, Glenn is praying and Maggie interrupts his prayer. His very first prayer, he says he needs to pray for his friends. This made me realize I don't recall anything about Glenn's family or friends. And later on, they're writing to the pharmacy and Glenn tells Maggie he is a loner. He doesn't seem like he would be a loner. He's so connected and caring and brave. So, Really makes me wonder about his past. I love the scene in the pharmacy when he grabs the condoms to cover up that he's getting the (laughs) pregnancy test for Lori, and Maggie asks if he has a girlfriend or if he's just a confident guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I love their relationship. It's so innocent, so sweet, and so real, which I love. Um, And a side note, I cannot believe that they asked Glenn to be the walker bait to go down into that well. And he agrees. I mean, the rope or something always breaks, people. It always breaks.
0: Yes, I was thinking the same thing. Also, I would like to clarify, this was Andrea's idea. She volunteered (laughs) Glenn to go down into the well. So just another reason Andrea sucks for this episode.
1: Okay, Brittany, it is time for why we love Rick. And why do you love Rick? Rick, Brittany?
0: I love Rick because he acknowledges his privilege and his power. He doesn't brush it off or fish for compliments on his leadership style or decisions. He just puts it out there to Herschel that, yes, he's seen as the leader. And because of that, he needs to do right by them and take care of them. He readily accepts this weight on his shoulders, and I respect that. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick
1: because there is always he always sees hope. Uh, Lori wants to give up on uh, her son's life because of all the struggles in this new world. She says that Jackie doesn't have to worry about this world anymore. Um, It was hard for me to hear Lori say this. In a way, it was like, you know, she wanted her son to die. And I know truly she didn't. She just didn't want him to suffer or be scared. But I don't know. It just it really bothered me. And it must be really hard to have this fear hanging on every moment of your day. But what I love about Rick is that he sees the beauty of life, even in the hardest of times. He reminds her of Carl and the dear moment and how excited Carl was about it and that there is still a world out there for them.
0: That's true. <laughs> okay, Brittany, what are you currently watching? A lot, of course. Yeah. You know me. So on Netflix, I watched Icarus. It won, I might be saying that wrong, but it won the best documentary feature at the Oscars. I almost watched it. I don't even know anything about it. It's okay. It's interesting if it highlights drug use and substance abuse in the Olympics, and sports, and all that kind of things, and how people got away with it for so long, and Mm, then it kind of pivots to the doctor, this Russian doctor that they're trying to protect, so it gets interesting about halfway through, I would say, because of this doctor, and Mm. his life is at stake, but I wouldn't watch it again, so there's that. Okay. I watched Brave Miss World. It's a four-episode short documentary. It was actually nominated for an Emmy, and it's about this woman who was one of the Miss World, I guess, part of those pageants, and she was sexually assaulted and raped when she was younger. Yeah, So she basically becomes a spokeswoman for that because at the time this was filmed, I think it was a couple of years ago, they still weren't having these conversations as much and it was still taboo. So I think it's great because... I don't think you ever can have enough of making people feel like they're not alone in these situations. And then I watched Flint Town. It's also technically a TV show, but it's a documentary. So I always think of those as movies, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's about the police officer perspective in Flint, Michigan. And you know that's the town where they have the water crisis. It's high poverty, high crime, and the police force is dwindling down. And it kind of shows you everything that's going on from their perspective. So it's it's interesting. I again, I don't, I wouldn't watch these movies again. Okay. Because I'm just not as into documentaries, but yeah. I always think it's good to know. Yes. It, I'm happy that I watched it. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that I know that side of it. I also watched two of the Oscar nominated, and I think one of them won. Oh, Get Out won for the best original screenplay
1: I believe at so, the Oscars. Yes. Uh-huh. yes.
0: So I watched that. I really liked it. I think it has a very compelling commentary about how black people are treated in current mm-hmm. American yeah. society. Yeah. I watched it. I liked it too. Yes. And then lastly, I watched Lady Bird. Great movie. Highly recommend it. Can't wait to watch it. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm sad. I don't think it won anything at the Oscars, but... I had a lot of firsts, though. Yes. So that was good. So I am happy for it that it was nominated, and I I connected to it because it's about this girl in 2003. She's a senior in high school in Sacramento at a Catholic high school, and I went to Catholic elementary school, so it was funny to see that. And for TV shows, I I continue to watch The Flash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I watched Love, the most recent season on Netflix, and that show is just about a guy and a girl. You know, they're in LA, they work in entertainment, and... They both continually mess up in their relationship. So it's just about love, right? Okay. It's like they miscommunicate, they hide things, they lie. They're, one of them is like a sex and alcohol addict. The third season just came out and it's a mess, but it's okay. Okay. It's really funny. I also started watching the most recent season of Jessica Jones. I love all of those oh. superhero Marvel TV shows. Yeah. They're really good.
1: It's really promoting that. I keep seeing that. And so I'm like, hmm.
0: I think you would like it. I think people have this... I have to fit it in. Yes. And I think people have this misconception about superhero TV shows, but the way Mm -hmm. that they do it with Marv or with Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Defenders, Daredevil, they just weave it together so perfectly. And it's not the peppy and airy and Mm teenage-ish CW feel. It's serious. And they're characters you can connect to. And they're funny and they're gritty. They're edgy. Mm -hmm. They're not just... Like blockbuster, positive, yeah. stereotypical superheroes. So okay. it, I think it's really cool that okay. way. Mm-hmm. I did watch This Is Us. I liked that it was focusing on the foster system. And I think that we're very lucky that we don't know much about it. And it just sheds light on that. So I did appreciate that episode. I and... thought that
1: actress was phenomenal. She's 14. I was reading a little bit about her. Mm-hmm. Because she really carried that whole episode. She and did. she did a phenomenal acting job so i was really impressed she's really like that
0: yes and i I do
1: miss all of our characters so
0: yes but But, you know you have to acknowledge our characters did grow up very blessed like they had a a loving a love two loving parents they were never which is
1: instrumental in your upbringing
0: yeah They never moved. Not that I can see their houses, right? Like they had Mm -hmm. that house from birth Mm -hmm. until they left to move out on their own. Mm -hmm. So it's just the little things that you don't realize you have until you see someone else that doesn't have them. Exactly. So I just, I always appreciate that. Lastly, I wanted to talk to you about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah. So my thoughts on it very quickly were... I'm, I really hope the heapsters and Jadis are gone. I do feel bad for her that her people are all dead now and they're all yeah. ground. Well, beat. they are gone because they're yeah. gone. They're I know. They're chilly. <laughs> but I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
1: I had to say that. I read that somewhere and I'm like, oh my
0: God. But that I'm wondering so about her. Awful. I just hope she doesn't come back. She will. Oh, she uh-huh. will. I totally think she will. They're not
1: done with her. I hate her. And I hate... I think she, something's going to change, though. I think it has to because she doesn't have anybody. And then her accent went away. <laughs> so now she can communicate with everybody else. Oh, yeah.
0: Once she was in danger, she let it go. And now yeah. she needs help. So she starts talking in full sentences. Okay, yeah. let's acknowledge that's how you should have started talking from yeah. the beginning. Because it sounded dumb. Okay, great. We'll see more of her. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> and I just want to say that... I know Negan cared about Carl, but I did not appreciate his comments to Rick So no. he blamed Rick. He said, Rick, this is your fault that Carl's dead. Oh, so bad. You, so You did this. I'm like, excuse me, Negan, do you remember um, Lucille? Someone called Lucille? Yeah. And um, <laughs> how you have all your followers say, I am Negan. I know. And how, no, this is not on Rick. Rick yeah. would not have to do all, all the crazy stuff they had to go through. Ah, I'm just so upset with him for even like, I don't know if Negan was a father in the past world, but for him to even put that on Rick right after Carl died, hearing that you're the reason Mm -hmm. your kid died. Oh, Mm -hmm. hell no. Yeah. I was so mad. So I don't know. I just,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I know. I was really irritated with him for saying that. I thought, oh gosh, Rick, please don't listen to it. Don't take any of it in. Don't, I don't believe a word that he says. And I think he was just preying on, Rick's vulnerability I was thinking that he thought well maybe this will be I don't know guilt him into following them but I thought who would want to live under you even if they did give in they would have to live under your rule and the way you treat people burning people's faces chopping I I, think, I don't know if he chopped anybody's hands off or anything or he tried to mm-hmm. right I, I don't know I thought and just how Dwight's wife left mm-hmm. because she'd rather be out on her own Mm hmm then be there so it just goes to show you that life is not good but so i was glad that (laughs) rick says i'm gonna kill you yes
0: don't back down yeah oh
1: god yes but also how i also like the episode because it how rick got those letters that carl had written and and thought about them and hadn't opened them yet and Mm -hmm. they stopped along the road and I just like that they took that moment. It wasn't like, okay, Carl's gone and let's move on. Mm-hmm. I really like that it's going to take Rick a while to deal with all of this.
0: Right. And, and that's we'll see like see how that life. goes. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Real life. Yeah.
1: And asking Michonne, do you think he really meant this? What do you think he really meant when he said that they should end this war?
0: hmm Yeah. So, I like that. It was interesting. But... Lastly, I just want to say that with Simon getting rid like, killing more of yeah. the heapsters, oh he goes against Negan's yeah. wishes, and I think what the writers were trying to show us is that Negan is not as bad as Simon, and Simon's actually the unreasonable one. I know, one. I think they're trying to lift him somehow. But no thanks, writers, I'm on to you. <laughs> I, I will never forget Glenn and Abraham. I know. Just because he doesn't do irrational things, like, right off the bat, and he doesn't go off script and what his plans are it doesn't mean he's not a bad guy yeah he's done a lot of bad shit so don't try to make us forget that thank you done Done. (laughs) out mic drop (laughs) okay so it reminds me of that
1: um the possibility of them doing a time jump Mm -hmm. and that i read that recently and that was one of the reasons this is just somebody giving out their theory and that is why Carl isn't there anymore because they couldn't really do a time jump with Carl, mm-hmm. but they can age everybody else that's an adult and they can also age Judith mm-hmm. to a certain age and and maybe that's why we see Negan in that dream. This is all somebody's speculation, but it just made me think about it too.
0: You're right. It could happen. So, so. anyway, sorry, I just went off on a tangent because I really hate Negan. Diana, what are you watching? <laughs>
1: Okay, so of course, The Walking Dead, This Is Us, The Talking Dead. And also, by the way, we were talking about uh, Season 8, Episode 10 of The Walking Dead right now. But other than that, you know, I watch all my reality shows. I watch The Today Show every morning before I go to work. Just a little bit of it. I'm watching The Voice, which I really appreciate. I love that show. Um, I love hearing them sing without knowing their age, or the judges not knowing their age, what they look like physically. I love the judges that are on, their banter. I just think it's a fun show. I think it's a good show for a family to watch. So I really like that. And that's on like twice a week. then, of course, I'm still watching The X-Files. Survivor just started. Top Chef had their finale. And HBO Divorce Season 2 started, and I watched three of those episodes. And so the first season was how they got to divorce and contemplating if they were going to get divorced. And so this season, they are divorced and just moving on with their lives. But um, I just wanted to bring up one of the exchanges that I thought was funny. So the dad is usually the one who went with the kids to their functions at school but Sarah Jessica Parker who plays the mom is trying to step in and and do those moments you
0: mean Sarica yeah Sarica,
1: <laughs> Sarica <laughs> your new your daughter's name anyways your future daughter's name <laughs> anyways so she goes to this function at school, and the daughter is just having a h- really hard time with her, more than the son. Uh, the daughter's just really not liking her mother. And because, you know, she's the mom that's like, I love you. See you later, you know, as she's walking into her school. So it's like, embarrassing mom. Stop <laughs> it. I don't know her. <laughs> anyway, so she goes to this function, and the dad comes in because... And he's not supposed to because he doesn't have... Um, it's not his time, but he he comes in and tells Sarah Jessica Parker, okay, I'll leave. And then the girl says, why did dad leave? And she says, oh, he just wanted to show up and just say hi. And now he's gone. And so the daughter gets so mad at the mom and tells her all these things and says, F you, mom. And so Sarah Jessica Parker goes, don't talk to me that way. Don't say that. You can't, you know, and she keeps, the daughter keeps at her and she goes, F you. And then she says, you know what? F you. And then it's all quiet. And all the parents and all the kids turn around and look. And of course, Sarah Jessica Sarah, 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 Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a bad mom. And she turns around and she's kind of fumbling. And then this it ends right there the episode. So it was just a really funny ending to that episode. Really, the only that I got to watch was The Darkest Hour. And I found it good and informative, but unfortunately I was kind of... And it wasn't any fault of the film, but I was just really exhausted and I was sort of falling asleep on it. I didn't want to, but I did think that Gary Oldman did a phenomenal job. His makeup, everything. I totally believed him. And I thought it's hard sometimes to be a real person rather than a character. Mm -hmm. And for one, you have to have all their you know, mannerisms and their look. But also, it was subtle characteristics that he was portraying. It wasn't like he was portraying some alcoholic or some crazy person. It was just subtle moments. You had to believe his character, which Mm -hmm. I think he did really well. So I was really impressed with that.
0: He did. And also, side note, they won for Best Makeup at the Oscars. Oh,
1: they did. Yeah. I didn't know that part. So yeah. that was good. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked it. And I liked knowing about her history. So I thought it was a good film. I just wish that I had been, I could have been more focused on it. So yeah. maybe I'll rewatch it again. Okay. So Brittany,
0: tell me what your and the award goes to moment is. I like when Glenn and Maggie are at the grocery store and she says, I'll have sex with you. It's not like our options are vast these days and you're not the only one that's lonely. With everyone so focused on survival, I didn't realize that their love story is the only one that truly stands out in this series. Currently, we have Rick and Michonne. However, I felt never felt so attached to Rosita and Abraham, or Sasha and Abraham, or Rick and Blondie, can't remember her name. <laughs> Glenn and Maggie, they begin here in the second season and we watch their relationship blossom. It's the softest, most delicate, endearing part of this show. So thank you, Stephen Young and Lauren Cohen. Bless your hearts. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So mine goes to Daryl again.
1: Daryl gives Carol a white flower. He tells her the story about the long, hard journey of the Cherokee people and of the children that didn't make it. And the Cherokee woman cried for their children, and the elders prayed for a sign of strength and hope. And the next day, a flower grew where their tears were shed. Daryl says, I'm not fool enough to think there's any flowers blooming for my brother, but I believe this one bloomed for your little girl. Really sweet. And I love that Daryl holds out this hope. Uh, Everyone, I think you mentioned earlier, everyone is starting not to believe that she's alive. But for some reason, he just keeps holding on to that. I mean, he goes searching for her by himself. Mm Mm-hmm. And just and he's always looking at Carol when she's crying and he just feels so bad for her. And I just think he truly is a really good friend, which we find out, you know, with all the other episodes. I just love that whole relationship. And I just think um, Daryl is evolving. Mm -hmm. And I love that about him. Definitely. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some
0: positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday, and the next show will be on Season 2, Episodes 5 and 6. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye!